from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's the Tiny House Podcast, and I am hot as hell. <laughs> I think. What the hell is going on with the sound? You're screaming. I'm hardly... <laughs> Well, that could explain it. That, that helps. Now, now, you're, now you're just low. <laughs> How's he turned doing you down. Exactly. He turned me down. That's, that's, that's the story I'm going to turn him off life. in a second. Yeah, exactly. The power of the power of the mixer board. <laughs> turn that fucker down. How's this Michelle. Doing today? Michelle. And this is Mark Donald Grimes <laughs> coming at you. Is that your only middle name? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Mark Donald Grimes. That's it. Well, what a start. It's been an inch. Have we done a show recently? It doesn't feel like it. It's been it. like a month. <laughs> it was two weeks ago. It, was, it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Who did we talk to last week? Don't remember. Oh my gosh, me neither. I never remember. Well, and I always listen to our shows on the way in. Um, mm. On my drive in, I always listen to the show that's been released that morning. So that throws me completely yes. off because I'm listening to a show that was maybe recorded a month to a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's what we were talking about like way back then. So <laughs> I can't be expected to remember two weeks ago. No, we can't. And so, I sure can't. So what's new? What is new? What's new with the house? Oh, never mind. <laughs> Good catch. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Edit that thing right out. <laughs> so we're coming up into festival season for the fall. We are. And we're not talking about the Rose Festival. No, we're talking about Tiny House Festival. There's like, in fact, I was talking to the Tiny House blog people yesterday and I was like, you know, someone should do a blog post or a feature or something like to keep them all straight. It's, it's getting like. Too many now. Yeah. Not, yeah. I mean, I can probably name six off the top of my head over the course of like six to eight weeks. Um. And everybody's like, are you going to be at this one? Are you going to be at that one? And I'm like, I don't know. Mm. Um, the plus, and one of the other new ones that was just released changed dates mm. again. Oh, boy. It's crazy. Amateurs. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, coming up into fall. So, hopefully, maybe when we record next time, I will come prepared as opposed to today. And I'll, maybe I'll, we'll do a whole list. That sounds really good. Perfect. How many are you going to MC, or do you know yet? Are you working on it? I'm negotiating, yes, for two right now. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah. When's that one happening in Portland? <clears throat> September 15th through 17th. <laughs> that was secret for a while, but I Ow, guess not. Oh, Mark, you kicked me out of the table. <laughs> <laughs> Tiny House Living Festival, Clark County Fairgrounds, Vancouver, Washington, actually, or just out of Vancouver, September 15th, 16th, and 17th. Huh, my birthday weekend. And I just found out it's also the same weekend as Tiny House Summer Camp. Oh, so my summer camp buddies were like, oh, man. So I got to circle back with them next. Yeah, but yeah, now it's getting to the point where during festival season, there's actually overlap. There are multiple yeah. tiny house mm-hmm. events going on even yeah. in the same weekend. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's amazing because what that means for tiny houses is that they're going to have to go on a giant journey from <laughs> festival to festival. <laughs> okay. That was one of my worst transitions ever. That, that was like ever. just right there. That wasn't even a transition. <laughs> it wasn't it was a just transition. a jump in cold water. <laughs> so, why did I say that? <clears throat> because we yeah. have someone in the studio. 
We have someone in the studio today. I, I, I was looking at, for the audience, there was a big pause there. I was looking at Mark, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, his chest lit up like he was a, a, an icon from the Catholic Church or something. <laughs> <laughs> wow! It just happened to be his laptop, which he said he shut down. But then, well, I need to down. send the front desk person a message saying there's somebody at the front desk ringing a bell like a madman. Oh, so, don't mind me. Okay, <laughs> back to your multitasking. Back to yeah. the introduction. So, back to what I was saying before. Mike, Mark lit up like Saint Augustine. <laughs> um, we have Jenna. I don't know your last name, Jenna. It's <laughs> Your name isn't on the website. That's why I don't know I it. I don't think it is, it really. Isn't. Yeah, I don't, I don't want anyone to know She's that. She's no, she said, I don't want to answer no, that question. No, it's actually we okay. We can bleep it. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. What is her? Oh, that's a... Right. Oh, that was, oh, man. Anyway. So we have Jenna um, <laughs> in the studio today. This is like the... Maybe the... Uh, thank you, Michelle. The fourth person that we've had in... Is it really the third, fourth person that we've had in, live in studio? I know that we had Celeste, and I know that we had um, Kovo, uh, Kovo oh, Tiny that's Houses. Right. Who were t- um, oh no! And then we had the the train guy, the guy who oh, was the office right. of the who train. The, yeah. Um, and then we had the guy from Australia. Although I think he was, was practicing being a co-host. Um, oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Right, so right. probably either four, five, or six. <clears throat> yeah. So it's there's been two a years precedence, Jenna. Mm. She's like, wow. I'm so impressed with you guys and how organized you exactly. are. <laughs> so Jenna is uh, famous <clears throat> because of her, I'm, I'm looking at Michelle to jump in here because I'm, gonna, I'm just thinking I'm going to get the name wrong. I just know Giant Journey. Is it Big House, giant, Tiny House, Big Journey? It's Tiny House, Giant Journey. You're yes. on it the first I, time. I was it. I was. <laughs> and she's famous. Everyone probably knows her. I love the videos you've done. I, I checked out your videos on the website. Very, very Thank nice you. tours. You're kind of like, um, you're kind of like, um, uh, I want to say. Careful now. I know, I know, be careful. <laughs> I want to say, um, I'm trying to pull out my butt that the, the one show on HGTV that my wife loves to watch because they do these house tours. Um, it's the real estate guy and the fixer-upper lady and they're oh. always bickering. Where they compete as to whether yes. they're going to keep their house or yes. not. Yes, and then yeah. they, they go through these houses and they're like, well, this is that, this is that, this mm-hmm. is that. And that what kind of reminds me of your, your show. Right. Well, I, I was on HGTV a few times, so it's funny that you say that. I had a TV show called Mighty Tiny Homes on there. Really? Yeah. And so I toured around and um, looked at different tiny house vacation homes. And we had two episodes. And uh, they're mostly just specials that they showed uh, during Christmas time. So Michelle is laughing because um, there's a running joke here in the studio that I don't know anything about the tiny house movement. And <laughs> it's probably since you've been on uh, HGTV, I'm sure every tiny houser knows that. Except, well, I so Michelle's know. like, damn, there's Perry going. No, again. no, no, that's okay. No, actually, sometimes it's actually fun to, because our listeners may or may not have been introduced to you. So uh, on one hand, I would love to interview you, be, but I already know so much about you. So on the other hand, is it is actually fun to watch. Um, Perry squirm. To watch the ex- <laughs> to watch the, uh, the the process of of uh, a discovery. A discovery. Yeah. There we go. It's kind of exciting. So you're on you're on for two episodes. Well, I was on my own show for two episodes, and um, my episode of Tiny House Big Living, which is still uh, on the sh- you know HGTV channel, was episode 101. So we were the pilot episode, and then they had me come back and be like a special guest, and I did. Um, I did like, I was a contest decider. They had like three tiny houses and I had to decide which one was the best. 
Um, so I've been on HGTV a few times, Travel Channel a few times, and probably will be again. I'm in negotiation all the time to be nice. on the show. Nice. Is that a money-making deal? It is. Oh, good. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't do it just to be on the show because yeah. it is a lot of work. I, I don't bet. know if you've ever been on, but... We heard the stories. Yeah, there, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. I basically have to shut down everything else that I'm working on and do that for however many days. And um, when it's your own show, it can be weeks. So mm. I was traveling with it uh, last summer for almost two months. And so it is a lot of time involved and I definitely wouldn't be able to do it if it wasn't paying <laughs> yeah interesting and so now so so i'm sure michelle that the tiny housers know this but let's catch up our listeners on what you've been doing lately like where are you at um sure. you're living here in oregon yes so i have parked my tiny house um in mount hood village near uh, mount hood in oregon it's about an hour outside of portland and they have uh six tiny houses there available for rent and they also are open to people parking their own tiny houses there. And I did not know that part. Yes. So they have had a few tiny houses come there and stay for uh, months on end. Hmm. Um, no more permanent residents than me. I'm the only permanent resident, but they're always looking for people to do that. And I'm always encouraging people to do that because I want more neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've been living there for a little over a year. And I am their tiny house host is the um, title they've given me. basically. That means that I do their open houses. They do open house events every six to eight weeks. And so for about three hours on Sunday, I'll take people through the tiny houses they have available there for rent, answer questions about the tiny house movement, um, and just offer my advice. And yeah, and I do that and I get free parking in exchange. So it's kind of a win-win situation for me because I have a beautiful parking spot and I have uh, zero housing costs. So your your house zero is even better than my seventy five dollars well, a yeah, month. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's seventy five dollars better. I thought mine was a cush job. Mine was a cush <laughs> <Yeah>. situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you have your if if I'm not mistaken, your house is capable of living off grid? Is that right? It is. So I traveled around with my ex boyfriend <clears throat> who built a tiny house with me um, for a year after we built it during 2015. And we went 25,000 miles with it all the way up to the Arctic Circle in Alaska oh. and all the way down to the southernmost point in Florida, so Key West. Mm. And then we went all the way over to Nova Scotia and we started in Los Angeles. So we really hit some of the four corners. Um, and so some of that time we were parking off grid with solar, a water tank, and uh, yeah, just being very uh, careful about our uses. I really... Um Jenna is like a professional guest. She has, her answers are like perfect. It's like, we don't even have to really kind of lead her. She just, the stuff just comes out. You can tell. That, yeah, I can tell. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> Michelle, you got a question? Well, I wanted to, um, tiny houses are obviously very mobile and they're very portable. But the truth is that very, very few people actually take them on the road. So I wanted you to sort of... Um, as I understand it, you have taken your tiny house further, more miles than anybody else has taken their tiny house. Um, and number two, um, I think even further than Tiny House Expedition, too. I think they haven't quite got that far, I right? I think yeah? so. They're yeah. moving at a little slower pace because they have, you know, they're staying in places um, for a longer time and making that awesome documentary that they're making. So, um, yeah, I have traveled with it a 
little over 25,000 miles. I even have some nautical miles that I haven't listed <laughs> because we did ferry it down from Alaska to Bellingham, Washington. Mm. And we also ferried it across um, from Nova Scotia to Maine. And up in the Yukon, we also ferried it as well. So we ferried it a few times. Um, and yeah, I can answer any questions you might have about traveling. <laughs> well, I think one of the, first of all, I was fascinated with the story associated with taking it up to Alaska. Um, you drove it actually there. Um, I can't imagine going that many. I can't imagine hitting that road with a car, let alone with a house. Yeah. Well, we had a few flat tires along the way, which yeah. is pretty common for even taking a regular car up to Alaska. Um, and then we took the road less traveled. We didn't do the Alcan. We did the Stuart Cassier Highway through British Columbia. And it um, it's known for not having a lot of gas stations. So you got to carry extra gas with you. It's really wow. rural. Um, I saw 14 bears along that highway in a matter of a week. So it's wow. just really cool um, to have that experience and to be able to park off grid. We took a month to get up from Washington to Alaska. So a lot of time in Canada there. Beautiful country. Um, was in Canada. We were in Canada for Canada Day and then crossed the border for July 4th. So nice. kind of like to celebrate both holidays in um, respective countries. And it was just amazing to go up to the Arctic Circle. We wanted to be... I mean, we thought we were, I can't prove it, but the most northern tiny house. And um, the Dalton Highway, which is the highway that you take from Fairbanks up to the Arctic Circle, is uh, just a dirt road, basically. And it's uh, mostly just semi-trucks um, carrying gas on that highway because it's the uh, the pipeline oh, that, that follows that. Yeah. yeah. So um, we did that, and it was kind of scary because if we broke down up there, I mean, we would really have a hard time getting out. But we made it without any issue. We just took it really slow. Mm. And when we finally got up there, it was the midnight sun. We got up there right at midnight, took a picture next to the sign. And the picture is pretty awesome because it still looks like it's daylight out. Middle of the day, mm. yeah. So circling all the way back, however, to the beginning of that, beginning of your journey, um, actually as as featured on Tiny House um, Big Living, um, I was fascinated with how much your house weighs um so again on top of the fact that people assume that tiny houses are mobile and lightweight and they just go anywhere can you tell us a little bit about your stats of your house um and your truck yeah (laughs) that's kind of a story yeah um so my house is a tumbleweed off of tumbleweed plans and so it's a cypress design it's a 20 foot long house um i think i I always get the square footage because it depends on who you ask if you count the loft or not. But it's like 165 is what I like to tell people with the loft. Um, it's 13.5 tall. And it weighs 10,100 pounds fully loaded with a big tank of water and all my belongings. Um, so that is pretty heavy. And it's almost maxed out actually on what the trailer can handle. And definitely maxed out on what my truck could handle, which is the Ford F-250 uh, diesel. So we had to get a weight distribution system to compensate for the tongue weight, which was right at the max at 1,500 pounds. Um, yeah, so basically just taking it slow. We're getting another big question I get, what was your miles per gallon? We're getting about eight miles per gallon. So it is a pricey venture. Um, but as you travel around the country and you stay in campgrounds and you talk to more RVers, especially those with big rigs, you'll find that that's what they're normally getting anyway. Um, of course, their houses are 40 feet long and they have slide outs and whatnot. Um, but it's a give and take. I think tiny houses have 
benefits over RVs in a lot of ways. I think there's a longevity involved there. They're more like a cabin. Um, you can do uh, all weather camping. So I parked in Breckenridge, Colorado last winter, got down to negative 20 degrees. I was perfectly comfortable. Mm. I don't think there's a lot of RVers that could say that about their RV. Yeah. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah really. there are pluses and minuses. If you're looking for the most lightweight uh, mobile vehicle, it's not going to be a tiny house. <laughs> so I, I've got a, a, several questions about the build itself. Mm-hmm. Um, don't worry, Mark. I'm not going into sticks and electricity. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so did you and, and Guillaume build the house yourselves? Yes. Okay. So there's a lot of sweat equity into this Lots. project. And then you, it, it, I read that you also had some sponsors. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so Guillaume and I, who's my ex-boyfriend, uh, Guillaume Dutille, uh, we <coughs> built the house. It took us about a year and, um, we like to say it was about a thousand man hours, um, which is person hours, person <laughs> hours, correct. <laughs> um, because that is what Tumbleweed estimates for beginners. And we were definitely beginners, um, had almost no construction experience wow. before that. And I would even say that it took longer than that because there's a lot of research and back and forth trips to big box hardware stores involved. So um, it took us a year, bottom line. And uh, we did have sponsors. You know, during that time, I was reaching out to different companies. This was four years ago. So it was sort of before the big tiny house boom, if you will. Mm -hmm. And um, there were certain companies that were interested in getting involved. um, So our timing was pretty good. And because we had told them we were going to be doing this epic road trip, we could basically be a rolling sponsor for a rolling billboard for some of our sponsors. So, you know, our roof was uh, sponsored. Our solar system was sponsored. Um, a couple other of the appliances inside the house. We were doing open houses in every big city. So we were talking about these appliances and the roof and everything like that. And Guillaume and I were both um, working for Tumbleweed at the time as uh, workshop hosts and presenters. So at each one of these workshops, we would present the house and talk about the appliances. So it was really beneficial for our sponsors as well. So, so the big question I have is, um, can you hear me okay, Mark? Yeah. Okay. The big question, the qu- big question I have is, how did you two dispense, decide who was going to get the tiny house? Oh, in the end? Yeah. Well, um, Game of poker. Yeah. <laughs> Game of poker. Just like the Millennium Falcon. Exactly. <laughs> When we split ways, um, we definitely had a conversation about what's next. And um, to be honest, uh, Guillaume is more handy than I. He did the majority of the work um, as far as building the tiny house. I was definitely there and present and an assistant, if you will. Um, But I knew I would never build another tiny house again in my life. And Guillaume has always said, even from when we finished, the day we finished the tiny house, he wanted to build another one and maybe a better one. And so we were talking about that and how we both still wanted to be involved in the tiny house movement. And really, tinyhousegiantjourney.com is my baby in a lot of ways. The whole thing is my blog. I write it from my point of view. And the blog and the house go hand in hand. You can't really split those two things up. So what we decided is that I would pay him out for the tiny house. Basically, I'm, I'm buying it off of him. And he's now doing his own projects um, which I don't want to talk about because I don't want to speak for him exactly because he might want to do a big presentation. Mm. I don't want to steal his thunder. Mm. But he's doing some really cool things now as well, and we're still very good friends, and we still help each other out. Um, For instance, my water heater broke (laughs) earlier this year, and I, of course, called Guillaume, and he came in, and he helped me replace it. So he's always going to be a big part of Tiny House Giant Journey because he was in the very beginning, but now Tiny House Giant Journey and has been for over a year my baby and 
um, it's funny, if you do read my blog, you can kind of see the transition. I talk about the transition between living in a tiny house with somebody else and going through that and really having that um, exploration together and then figuring out how it's going to be on your own and, and the differences and the benefits and, and the cons as well. Have you found, I'll get to just a second, Michelle, I saw your finger. Have you, um, have you found it easier to live in a tiny house by yourself? Definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there are, I mean, I get twice as much space. Right. I have actually, you know, Got I have more shoes. Yeah. <laughs> right, it's just huge now. I mean, people come into my house now and they go, oh, yeah, you live here alone? I can see that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to live here with somebody else, though. And I go, well, I actually did for two years. Um, for a but, long time. Yeah, I can't imagine living in it now with somebody else. Yeah. I mean, Yom and I built it for each other. We really designed it to work for us as a couple. And now that it's just mine, I've actually redone some things on the inside to work for me as a single person living in it. Um, so I just can't imagine going back to living in it with somebody else yeah. now. Yeah. So I just wanted to point out that of all the places that they have traveled in the entire country, both of them settled here in Portland. So I was going to ask if Dylan yes. was here. Yeah, yeah. So, um, of course, you know, trying to get a hold of him is almost as hard as trying to get a hold of her. Mm -hmm. So I'm hot on his tail. So, uh, Guillaume, if you're listening. Um, Give Michelle a call and, <laughs> so we can get you in the studio. Exactly. I'll text him after this. Thank or, you. Or, or, <laughs> like, you know, we have that, that other inbox public service announcement there's something called the facebook other oh, yeah. inbox it's so hard to find messages in that thing because you don't know where to go to find the thing exactly so there you go yeah so um why did you why did you decide to settle in portland did was it because of the mount hood opportunity yes so um <clears throat> thousand trails which is the uh rv park company yeah. that owns the village and they actually just opened one up in leavenworth um washington which I went to the opening house event uh, last weekend or two weekends before, and they're opening one in Boston or I'm sorry, New York. There's so many opening now. I can't, mm. I almost can't keep track, but um, so they, they were really interested in getting involved with the tiny house movement. And um, the first blog they started following was my blog, tiny house giant journey. So they reached out to us and they said, Hey, um, we'd really like to sponsor you guys or get involved. And and this was years ago. And I said, well, you know, we work for Tumbleweed Tiny Homes. If you're looking in, into opening a tiny house park, um, maybe you should get involved with them. So we sort of started that conversation. And in the end, they, Thousand Trails decided to employ Tumbleweed Tiny Homes to build their houses for the Mount Hood Tiny House Village. And so, of course, they were like, well, Jenna and Guillaume, you guys were really part of this um, beginning we would love it if you guys were involved we have this spot we really want somebody there to be like an on-site consultant it's our first tiny house village and so when Guillaume and I split ways I really saw and I, I knew I was going to get the tiny house I really saw that as an opportunity for me um, where to go next because I was sort of at this point where I didn't want to travel with it on my own and I didn't know where to park it because I didn't have a piece of land mm -hmm. so I was like well I have this free parking spot and I really do like Oregon and they seem to be very tiny house friendly. <laughs> so I think I'll try it. And so last summer, uh, early last summer, I brought it out here and I've been here ever since and I love it. Wow. Very cool. So has, has the hostess, I'm assuming that the renters don't open the doors and you're in there going, hey, surprise. <laughs> what, uh, what are you finding in the way of, um, what are people expecting with the tiny house experience when they show up there? I think most people that come out there um, and rent a tiny house are 
fans of one of the TV shows. Um, so it's really people who aren't, I mean, there are some people who go there who want to build or actually live in a tiny house one day. But there's a lot of people who are looking for a family vacation in the area anyway and think that tiny houses are pretty cool and thought, well, we could try one out. And so there's a lot of that going on there. So the expectation is sort of like, uh, you know, can I do this? What's it really like? You know, and um, a lot of people come out of there and go, you know, it's not too bad. Um, but I would change this. <laughs> Which means, and I would change that. Yeah. I could never do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. That happens yeah. a lot, especially because yeah. there's usually families with kids staying in those. Yeah. Right. Um, so they want to pull their hair out by the end of three days. Um, but uh, Cabin fever. Yeah. Yes. There are a lot of people who do go there to try on tiny, if you will, to try out the tiny house lifestyle. And so um, they like to, you know, sit around the campfire, talk to the other people who are staying in the tiny houses, maybe go see the other five tiny houses, figure out what works for them and uh, what they would actually do in their own tiny house one day. It's interesting because unless things have changed, when we were up there, they're all tumbleweed houses. There's one that's not oh, now. Oh, there is one Yeah, that's there was not. five when they had the grand opening mm-hmm. and there's six now. Which, who's the other one? Oh, gosh. I don't know the name of the builder, but it's a it's a... Uh, Portland or Oregon, maybe uh, he might be from another city, but Oregon-based uh, carpenter who just built himself a tiny house and mm. then decided to park it up there and rent it out. Okay, so it's just a okay. private owner. Uh, my my point for bringing that up is it does. It's not a very representative sample mm. of, of what's possible in a tiny house, and so people Correct. are they get in. And no offense to Tumbleweed, I love their build quality and whatnot, but the the spaces are really small. And, and there's so many other tiny houses out there that have much more comfortable accommodations. Um, and so it's kind of, it's too bad that people are going there and getting that experience and saying, yeah, I could never do this. But right. they don't know, like, Gabriel Morrison's tiny house is much more spacious. Right. Than the- now, there Andrew. is, yeah, there is some, mm-hmm. like, um, tiny house hotels in Portland as well, obviously. Yeah, right. yeah. But, like, Tiny Diggs Hotel mm-hmm. is very similar in the fact that it's all the same carpenter mm-hmm. who built it. Although they are totally different designs, yeah. so mm-hmm. really cool. But the Caravan Tiny House Hotel, they've actually employed a bunch of different yeah. builders so that you really do get a sample there. So I think Oregon and Portland in particular is a great area if you have a few days even to go to all three different mm-hmm. parks and try out a bunch of different ones because you could really get a sampling of Tumbleweed, which is obviously the biggest manufacturer, the Cadillac, if mm-hmm. you will, of tiny homes. And then other ones that are more like probably affordable and smaller companies that you can... Um, customize more yep and then of course there's lots of things to do here in portland and so when you're coming you don't have to just stay in your tiny house there's a lot of things around portland that are really cool to do that was actually she already took what i was going to say okay (laughs) (laughs) no that's okay no that's okay i wanted to talk about again the diversity of the hospitality um movement shall we say in portland Mm. um and the diversity of the different places that you can go but even beyond that though um so after they had the grand opening at Mount Hood, I think Tumbleweed and Thousand Oaks, Thousand Oaks, right? Thousand Trails. Thousand Trails. I think both of them went, oh, crap, this is awesome. <laughs> I mean, how many people showed up for the opening? It was several thousand. It was 1,500, I believe, around there. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a huge crowd. And I think, so did they already have the, the Leavenworth and the Boston? Did they already have those other ones in the works? Or what, did they wait sort of to see how well Mount Hood was going to go. I think they waited through the summer to see um, how well they rented out. And through the summer, those tiny houses are pretty much book solid. Right. Um, so they did really well. And even through the winter, most weekends, all five were uh, are booked because the 
Mount Hood Timberline mm-hmm. is right there, and mm-hmm. you can take a bus, and it takes you right up to the mountain if you're a skier. Mm. So once that happened, they looked at other locations. I don't want to speak on their behalf, but I'm assuming that they chose Leavenworth because it's in the Pacific Northwest. And again, tiny houses are very popular in the Pacific Northwest. So that was another RV park that they already owned and went, well, this will be a great you know, way for us to make income here as well. And then one on the East Coast, which I, I don't know if it's in uh, Massachusetts or New York. So I should have done my homework before it came, but I'm not... I don't work yeah. for them, so. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about homework here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thought we weren't going to mention that. No, right I, I was just wondering about the overall perception, again, of the hospitality, tiny houses as hospitality. We talk a lot about, you know, we talked a lot to tiny house builders. Uh, we talked to some tiny house occupants. But I think you're really the first person we've talked to that's, re- well, at Tiny Jigs Hotel, of course. And, but- and that other one in New York, what are they called? Getaway. Oh, Getaway. Getaway, yeah. 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 So I think we're, what we're trying, what we're seeing, however, um, correct me if I'm wrong, what we're seeing is that the hospitality arm of the tiny house movement is really starting to, to gain a lot of momentum. Oh, it's huge. Like Jellystone Parks has now gotten involved. They have three tiny houses as well. Um, and then the Austin Tiny House Hotel just opened this summer, and they have four or five tiny houses available for rent. There's all sorts of ones in Florida. So it's just growing and growing. Um, there's one in Arizona. I mean, someone needs to make a map of these things, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I think everybody's scrambling to make maps, that's right. for sure. There mm-hmm. is actually tinyhousemap.com, but uh, um, I don't know how many people know about it, so I don't know how updated it is. So... Um, so what do you, what, uh, I wanted to get back to the a question that I didn't ask was, do you have, do you have utilities up there? Are you plugged into a hookup of I some am. sort? Okay. It's a regular RV park That's really. Right. And yeah. they've sectioned off an area for, um, tiny houses and cabins right. only. So there's some park models there, um, next to me as well. And then the six other tiny houses and then a bunch of open spaces for more tiny houses. Um, but yeah, I have full hookups. So, um, life is easy right now. <laughs> what do you do when you're not hosting? Um, I don't host often because I only do that every six to eight weeks. So my job, um, is I, uh, I blog, I'm a a blogger and I have a YouTube channel as well. So that takes up actually a lot of my time. I think a lot of people don't realize how much time blogging takes up. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I am a freelance blogger for Tumbleweed. I'm a social media manager. I work for, I have a bunch of jobs. I work (laughs) for, um, an independent film company because my background is actually in, um, Film. I went. I lived in Hollywood before this and worked for six years in the film industry. Hmm. So I do that um, freelance uh, in Portland. There's an independent film company that I work for. So I do a lot of odds and ends is the bottom line. And then I also travel a lot. And that's um, how I like to live my life. Um, one of the big reasons why I went tiny is so that I would have the opportunity to travel more overseas. And so my goal has always been to visit every country before I die. And I try to visit five new countries a year. Um, So I'm gone a lot. I've uh, already visited three or four this year. um, And I've got a couple more on the books for the end of the year. So So two quick questions. When you do travel, do you rent your place then? I don't, but I'm starting to consider it because it could be an extra form Mm -hmm. of income. It is hard to let somebody into your space though. And I would also need to move all my stuff out, which would mean getting a storage area. And it just seems like a lot of hassle. I'm not sure how beneficial it would be. But I have started to consider that, especially when I'm gone from, I was gone for like almost six weeks earlier this year. Mm. And it just sits there. And I think tiny houses and houses um, need people in them. Mm -hmm. Because when I got back, that's when I realized my water heater was broken. You know what I mean? It's just like 
not realizing things need to be run and right. to keep moving and keep going um, or they'll freeze or something mm-hmm. will start start going wrong. Mm-hmm. Just have an owner's lockup closet, which is yeah. you know, like probably the only yeah. closet. So, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, do you know Chris Gillaboo by any chance? No. So Chris, young guy, Portlander, who's written a couple of books. One's called The Hundred Dollar Entrepreneur. He's in his maybe mid-30s. Pretty young guy. Um, but he's actually traveled to every country in the world. He's a hundred dollar startup. So, would I call it hundred dollar startup? Yeah, not hundred dollar yeah. entrepreneur. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, I'll look so, that yeah, up. Yeah, check that out. He's, yeah. Is this how you envisioned your life when you started building the tiny, or was this is this now sort of a accidental benefit? It's definitely not how I envisioned my life because obviously, when I started building the tiny house, Yom and I were together, and I envisioned uh, our life to continue to be together. Um, but now that I've, uh, we've broken up and I've sort of grown as an independent person in the tiny house and made tiny house giant journey, truly my own. Um, I suppose I can, I like to look at it as, is a positive thing. Um, it's always a good thing to do, (laughs) but yeah, I, uh, I do think that I've grown more as a, as an individual and I think the tiny house and, um, the blog and everything has helped me do that. And um, I wouldn't change it for the world. In what ways do you think you've grown? Um, I just know who I am more. I don't need things as much as I, I think I used to. I lived in L.A. I had a, lot, a big closet, a lot of things. Things I thought were important. Things I thought made me happy. Um, now I know I can live with less. I know I can backpack in a country with just a few items in my backpack. It really does change my everyday life, what I spend my money on. So I have more money now than I did then, even though I was working full-time at a good job with benefits in Hollywood. And now I work part-time for myself. I have more money now. Um, and I'm just more aware, I think, of everything, just what people are using, consumerism, um, the environment. I mean, I can go into big details, but overall, the tiny house has changed my overall outlook on life. So you weren't that way before? I don't think so. I mean... I think I was starting to think that way, and that's why the tiny house was appealing to me, and I wasn't happy. So I was looking for something that would satisfy me and make me happy and also help me reach that goal of traveling more because I really felt stuck, as I think a lot of people do, in jobs that they don't necessarily like. But I had to pay the bills. I had to wear a certain type of clothing to work. Um, I had to have a certain sort of persona in in that city that I needed to match and that was a money value Um, and now that I've let go of those things and embraced being different and this alternative lifestyle it really has brought me more happiness when you were just when you when you were um, were you born in California no um, I grew up in a small rural town in uh, the Midwest in Illinois and then I wanted to break out of there uh, so I went off to Los Angeles, and um, well, I got a film degree and then started working in the film industry thinking, because I'd always watched movies and TV and thinking, oh, it's so glamorous and that's the life I want to live. And then after six years of it, I realized <laughs> it wasn't. And so that was an awakening as well. And I, I still think I'm learning about myself, but um, I'm getting closer and closer to knowing what I truly want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the question that I asked really wasn't necessarily um, associated with either the the status of your relationship, but really just more of a goal, like a life goal, as far as you wanted to travel more or you wanted to blog more. I guess what I'm trying to, to get to is you talked about blogging and traveling and hosting and all the, the different projects that you have. So you have several, obviously, part-time jobs as opposed to like mm-hmm. one big job. And so um, 
I think a lot of people that either move into tiny houses or build tiny houses want to travel more. But so that's why I'm, that was more the nature of my question is associated with with or without your partner. Um, it did life turn out how you wanted it to from a shall we say quality of life or flexibility of life or financial independence? I think it definitely has and it will continue. I'm not completely out of debt yet, which was one of the big goals. Um, college cost me a lot of money. I think every, a lot of people can relate to that. Um, so I'm still working on paying off that debt. Um, so I am close though. One more year, I will be out of debt and I'm looking forward to that. And a lot of that has to be, is because of the tiny house and my lifestyle changes. And the fact that I can get out of debt while working for myself and part-time, which I wasn't sure was going to work. When I quit my job and decided to hit the road with the tiny house, I was like, well, I'll give myself one year. And if it doesn't work out, I guess I'll have to get another full-time job in some other city and try to figure it out. And luckily I haven't had to do that yet. And it's been, um, I've been living in the tiny house about three years now. So when you were, when you're in Hollywood, I presume you were living like the Hollywood lifestyle, the way you mentioned it. And, um, you know, some people like that. And, um, how, how did you, this may be a repetitive question. How did you, how did you find out about tiny houses and, what is it that made you, I, I know you were disappointed in, you said you were disappointed in your job, but what was it that kind of pushed you over? Because I would, I imagine that, that Hollywood is so seductive and when you're in yeah. that money consciousness, it's really hard to see an alternative that's, right. that's, that's attractive enough to pull you out of that, especially mm-hmm. if you're following what you think is your dreams, even if it sucks for a little while. So what happened there? You know, what's funny <clears throat> is um, I tell my friends in Hollywood and um, that my my colleagues in the film industry that I quit and they think I'm crazy because I really did have a good job. I was um, the executive assistant to a president at a uh, studio, movie studio. And I was working really closely with some huge names in the um, movie industry. Uh, And I thought I had reached my goal. In fact, when I got that job, I threw a big party. And um, within a month of working at the actual job, I realized how soul-sucking it was (laughs) for me. I was really just a minion. And, um, you know, I, ha- I had a master's degree. I had worked six years to get to that point. And I was just feeling like I was being abused uh, verbally. And um, You were or you felt like you were? Well, I, uh, maybe mm. I was. <laughs> I'm just trying to it's an opinion. There's yeah, no, yeah. You know, right, right, they're right. not here to defend themselves. I just, I was not happy. And mm. I was working 60, 80 hours a week because um, I was taking home my work. I was having to read and do things at home and um, cover up things for my boss that I didn't like doing. And so it was just sort of a toxic Um, experience. And what I realized is I didn't want to be my boss. And that was the next step. And if I didn't want to be my boss, what was I doing? You know, why was I putting myself through all this? So that's when um, I started to look into alternatives. And um, Guillaume was also unhappy with his job at the time. Was he in Hollywood too? He was, but he was working, uh, he was an engineer. um, So he was working in a cubicle. And he wasn't happy doing that. And so uh, he stumbled across a article about Jay Schaefer, as many people do. <laughs> yeah. All circles back yeah, to Jay. Back to Jay. And so then he showed it to me, and we started really thinking about it and looking into um, options. And at the time, Tumbleweed was one of the only companies around that you could buy plans from. So we went to one of those workshops in L.A. and, and really thought it was cool and just dove right in and um, quit our jobs and, yeah, built the tiny house. and. Never looked back. So I have a, I have a 
a non tiny house related Hollywood question. Uh -huh. So when <clears throat> when I when invariably when when actors or producers or directors get on TV and they're talking about their relationships with working with others of those kinds of people, they're always positive. Mm -hmm. Is it a soul? Is it a career killing move to criticize someone? Probably, yeah. Oh, sorry, okay. Which is why I'm not mentioning any names. Okay, not I, that can I'm I can tell. Not yeah. that I'm going back into that yeah, uh, yeah. industry ever, but yeah. you know, it's just one of those things you don't do. Yeah. Um, and I also think that I maybe had a bad experience. I can't say that all Hollywood experiences are like that. I don't want to dissuade someone who really wants to go into that. But my experience um, with my bosses were was not good, and um, it just really killed it for me. And uh, I think that does happen to some people and you have to be either really strong and overcome that. And I maybe didn't want it enough, but it definitely changed my mind about what my future career path was going to be. Well, it definitely put you in a, in a contrast that allowed you to see what you're doing now in as so much more holistic and better for you than what you were doing then, even though back then for some point you were probably thinking, wow, this is the bomb. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Note to the sound guy, we need to bleep her last name now, officially. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Jenna who? <laughs> Schmidt. Jenna who? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I would say that soul-sucking experience, um, you know, I think there's a lot of generalities that can be made about that experience, regardless of the industry, too. Like, I've obviously experienced that in corporate America, you know, and learning how to play politics and, and thinking, wait a minute, you, I went to school or I... I I've been doing this for 30 years and I'm getting your coffee and doing your notes for your own meeting agenda. So, so um, yeah, I think the soul-sucking experience can actually, um, a, lot, a lot of tiny house people can relate uh, regardless of the, of the context. I think anybody who has, has that kind of an epiphany experience that causes a, a significant trajectory change in their life has that kind of retroactive kind of thinking about what they were doing before. And the great thing about the tiny house movement is that a lot of people who are in it, many of the people we've talked to, spoken with, have had that kind of mm -hmm. experience. Yeah. Um, they come out of it closer to their true self. Exactly. Or the person they want to be. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's almost as though that person exists in everybody. And the, the challenge is, how do you, how can you get to the point or can you get to the point in your life where you can have that experience that brings that out of you? Because there is everybody, well. It's not a bottoming out, but it's a similar yeah, thing to it. Yeah. It's not like it's drug or alcohol related, but there's a epiphany moment. I can't moment. stand it anymore kind right. of a thing. Somebody yeah. passes or some close to <clears throat> death experience mm -hmm. or just a, a something that happens in their life that mm -hmm. makes them want to mm -hmm. simplify things. Mm -hmm. And the, the authenticity that is represented in the tiny house movement personas, the people who are in it, kind of reflect that. I mean, you don't have a whole bunch, I don't, I mean, Michelle, you probably know better than I, don't have a whole bunch of pretense going on. People are pretty authentic. Oh, very, right? very, very more, authentic. I think more so authentic in the tiny house movement than any other circle of friends or any other circle of influence or any other experience that I have mm -hmm. had. I heard an analogy once about sort of when you go to work for someone else, you rent yourself out to their expectations. So you have to wear what they want you to wear yeah. and you have to act how they want you to act yeah. and you have to do what they want you to do. And so I think on any level, again, regardless of whether or not it's a visual or professional or personal or emotional, you really are, again, they're paying you and they get to call the rules. And so, at some point for some people that gets tiresome 
And then there are some of us that just keep doing it. Are we, are we self-referencing right now? <laughs> <laughs> referencing right now? <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, I get it. It's, it's a, but, but you know what? The, the experience, were it not for that experience, the new experience that people are having would not be so sweet. Right? right? It's like there's that context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think it takes a lot of strength to stay in a job that you hate as well yeah. as leave a job you hate. Um, so you really have to decide for yourself, like, what do you want to do for, the, you know, 40 years of your life that you're going to be working? Do you want to just keep wishing for Friday or <laughs> <laughs> praying for Friday, yeah. if you will? Or do you want to take the chance, take the leap and yeah. do something completely different, even though others might say, oh, you're crazy. Yeah. And even if, for me, if it didn't work out, I still needed to know that I tried, mm-hmm. um, and that was important to me. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the what is the most wonderful, like ecstatic experience you've had abroad so far? Oh gosh. Um, okay. Well, the first one that comes to my mind is um, on my thirtieth birthday last year. I went to Thailand, which is a place I always wanted to go, and um, I went to an elephant sanctuary, and they paired me with an elephant who had a broken leg, um, and it was at the at the sanctuary because of it. Otherwise, it would still be working in the fields. There's a lot of abused elephants over there. So I was paired with this elephant who was actually, it was uh, 30 years old as well. So I felt very kindred oh, wow. to her. And I gave her a bath um, that day. So I went into the river and was bathing her with a bucket of water. And um, it was just a really cool experience for my 30th birthday. I just felt like I could connect with that elephant. Nice. <laughs> and what what was the... I don't want to say sucky. What is the what was the most arduous experience you've had abroad? Um, well, recently I went to El Salvador and I found myself um, caught in a monsoon and unable to get to the airport, which was only 15 miles away. Mm. And it was considering hitchhiking, even though I was in a very terrible neighborhood and thinking, oh, I'm probably going to get, this is it. This is where mm. I die. You know, I didn't have like an, <laughs> a, any way to call. I was basically standing in a heap of trash. <laughs> Um, and it was just a terrible uh, series of events that led me to that point. Um, but in the end, actually, it has a happy ending. Someone helped me out, a, a local, saw I was in trouble and took me to the airport. Um, and I was very thankful to that person. Although I will admit skeptical at first when they came up to me because of the neighborhood I was in. And so that made me just open my eyes a little bit and be like, be more trusting, you know. Um, and, you know, not every book is like its cover. Right on. Very cool. Well, Jen, it's been great having you on the show and great having you in the studio. Thank um, you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we don't often get an in-person guest, so it's really awesome. And uh, <clears throat> so, Tiny House listeners, what are we, are we offering anything special? We got we nothing. Any, we nah, got nothing. We're not asking okay. them for anything. Just listen and enjoy the show. Recommend it to your friends. We do want to, we do want to acknowledge our sound guy. Oh, right? yep. Um, Rich? Rick? Rick? Mc, <laughs> McNerney. Rick McNerney. Rick McNerney, he's in on the East Coast. Yep. He he's Bo- he, not Boston. Boston. Brooklyn. 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 Cranking out our shows for us, mm-hmm. taking over Mark's job. So we want to acknowledge that he is working behind the scenes to make us pretty. Mm-hmm. A- acoustically speaking. Acoustic. He, he can't do anything for <laughs> I was us visually. Say. <laughs> We're a lost cause visually. Yeah. He's washing our elephant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, ex- very nice uh, one. Obviously. <laughs> 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 On that note, bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. 
Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. Thank you.